0: and welcome to Cultcast, the podcast by uh, Cult Wine. Um, we are sitting here today talking to Lauren Swift, who is the winemaker at Ashridge, and she is also just about to launch her new range of wine or her new wine, Swift Wines, under her own name. Um, good morning. Good morning. Uh, so. Um, this is our first podcast So I'm not really sure um, Where we're going with this But we're just going to give it a go And, and, and see what happens um, So Let's start off I mean, what got you into wine?
1: Um have an interesting background. Uh, I grew up in Marlborough in the Armitry Valley. So my vineyard, well I worked in the vineyards for my summer job every year since I was 13. Um, And I hated everything about the vineyards at that time. I did a lot of the dealing with the black baby plants setting up salve down there. Um, But I always loved, we had an apple orchard at the time and had lots of foreigners. We had uh, oh, what are they called? The ones... woofers. Woofers, yeah. yeah. And they would come, and so we used to do. Like so this is an organic
0: vineyard. Uh, orchard. 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 orchard yeah. yeah. Organic. Yeah. 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 Well, no, because woofers are all, like it's an organic thing.
1: Yes. Yeah. 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 So, um, And we used to do like cultural food nights with them And they would all cook something different and stuff So I ended up getting really into the food and the idea of travel Um, And when I was 18 I ended up going to the UK and did a gap year And then hung out in Europe quite a lot Um, Decided the wine thing was not so bad Um, Came back and got a full time position working at Clonry in the vineyard Um, And I was there for two years And then I wanted to be more full time In the winery Um, I did a little bit of work with them over vintage But they wouldn't take me on full time Because they only had French people In the cellar at that stage Um, So I ended up Quitting and moving to Oyster Bay And did a vintage there Across the road Oyster Bay is owned by delegates, delegates yeah. Yeah. And I knew very quickly That I never was going to work for a big company uh, I didn't fit the mould I had too much of an opinion And a personality I think for a big company yeah. So, And that's when I left And moved to Hawke's Bay in 2009 So halfway through that And did my degree um, and yeah, roll on to now. So, so we're in that in that
0: that period of becoming more and more interested in in the winemaking process. Were there any like particular wines that like really excited you? May like made you want to go to particular places or anything like that?
1: Not so much in that regard. i just really liked the creativity about it. I think and. At that stage, where, where I was in Marlborough, it wasn't like you were drinking weird and wacky things or anything, like it was quite standardised, um, at culinary... Smashing
0: back Marlborough Sav. <laughs>
1: yeah, there was a lot of that. When I came to Hawke's Bay, it was still, for me, oh yeah, Sav was like the go-to, yeah. but very quickly that changed, being here, um... And just being around people that were actually like really into it as well, whereas before it was probably more vineyard-based people. Um, Yeah, cool. And so,
0: and so, you've been
1: at Ashridge for how long? Nearly six years. Yeah, coming up six years. So I turned up here after finishing my degree in 2012. So in about November. Um, and it was just a summer job so it was working in the vineyard and in the cellar door when I turned up and then that went on to working vintage I'm guessing yeah so what generally happened then was after about three months of working here um, I was needing to Decide what I was going to do for vintage, essentially, uh, and then one day Chris ended up saying, "Okay, so we're getting the wines made at this winery. I've cheated up so you can go work there, so you can learn the process. And essentially, this is your um, trial run. If you succeed, you're going to run the winery, pretty much." Oh wow!
0: And that was like that was the stakes. Yeah, and and you obviously succeeded.
1: Yeah, definitely Most of the time? Most of the time Um, Yeah, no, it was a big thing to take on, definitely And then after vintage here, I went and worked in America for Harvest Where in America? Uh, Kundi Estate in Sonoma Yep Um, And it was really cool Turned out the assistant winemaker there Was a Kiwi who was also doing his own thing Over there He married an American girl They had a family and stuff But he was awesome And so every lunch, any breaks I would sit in the lab and hang out with the winemakers um, Rather than with all the other Well it was mainly Mexicans in the cellar Um, Because I was the only one That was working there That was really passionate about wine so, um
0: like the only one that it wasn't like just a job.
1: Yeah, 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 there were a couple of, and I was the only female in the cellar as well. Um, there was a couple of American guys for harvest as well, but again, just a job weren't that into it, um, but yeah. I was there to learn as much as I possibly could knowing that I was going to have to run a winery when I got back
0: and so um, Bashridge obviously so started out by what contract having wine made in other places yeah and then when did you build the winery that you've got now
1: so in 2013 when I was in America the winery was getting built and you basically came back and you had a winery there was a shell and Yeah. yeah there was the management of Tanks where they were going to go um, The electric still had to be Put in so it was quite So I got back in December and it was a high Stress time yeah. going forward from That because you had to what, three
0: channels. months yeah. yeah yeah,
1: and I had to finish wines Pre-vintage and stuff too not Knowing if the cooling was going to work To cold stab and all sorts So it was a fun time that's like
0: It's a pretty um, it's a pretty quick Transition from being Like a worker sort of like seller seller rat, seller monkey, straight through to like being the winemaker of of a new um, a new ish business.
1: Yeah, definitely. So Chris I must wish. have had a lot,
0: like a lot of faith in, in you and what you wanted to do.
1: Definitely and we've had to go through a lot of Things. I always use the analogy. What he used to do, he used to give me like a whole lot of rope um, and be like, okay, you need to sort out this, this, and this. And then all of a sudden, he would like pull it back in real tight. And it was just him obviously investing a lot of money and being shit scared of what was actually, you know, was it going to yeah. succeed? And then the whole time, he me trying to keep it cool, calm, and collected, but inside, really. Just actually freaking out the whole time. So.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I think I think that's the case for a lot of like not just young people because we're about the same age, and um, obviously had a different like um, wine journey than you. But like that's often the case when you get given a lot of responsibility, especially over other people's yeah. money and livelihood. It can be really fucking scary. Um, so coming to to the wines. Um, so. Like, tell us about your philosophy when it comes to Ashridge, and then we'll talk a little bit more about some of the new, newer, exciting things that you're doing.
1: Yeah. So, um, I mean, when I turned up at Ashridge, we made five different wines. And what and were that they? that was it. So there was a barrel fermented salve, Chardonnay, Syrah, Merlot Cabernet blend, and then a dessert one. Sweet. And that was it. So now we're making about nearly 20 different skews of wines and the focus still being on Chardonnay and Syrah, that's our heroes. So we make three different tiers, so our tiering structure is um, our estate, which I call it the crack it and drink it range, they're like good to go, easy drinking styles. Uh, Our premium tier, which is our Obvious, and I also call it the instant gratification tear Like as soon as you smell it, it's like, oh yeah, yum, that's gonna be good. Um, And then our reserve, which is what we hang our hat on um, in ones, and only the chardonnay and the syrah is made in those, and they're like meant to be really expressive of where they're growing. Um, and age worthy. And
0: talking about where they're growing, we're sitting on what's a part of part of land in Hawke's Bay that's called the Bridge Par Triangle. Yeah. So what if I'm going out and I mean Syrah's a really good example because like gimlet gravel Syrah and Gimlet Gravel Cabernet um, and Merlot are so are so distinctive. Yeah. If I'm like opening a bottle of wine from from the bridge part, what what am I looking for? What's
1: so they're probably a little more elegant in style, so they have some florals and spice I think is a really big thing that comes through. Um, and for me they retain a little more acidity, so for ageability they work a lot better. Um, and also in like in European wine shows, um the bridge pass dial seems to do a lot better as well.
0: Okay, so we're going to go to like a little commercial break for Colt Wine. So um, you are listening to the Colt Cast, where we um, talk to winemakers, wine growers, wine slingers and wine drinkers. Um, Colt Wine's a little online retail store where we specialise in... Um, in- grower wine lo-fi wine natural wine and all sorts of really really interesting things that you can't find other places so um go to cultwine.co.nz and use the code cultcast that's c-u-l-t c-a-s-t um for 10% off your next order okay that was like the the commercial thing because obviously we're doing this to like get more people interested in wine but also bring bring more people to us
1: um so, so maybe we should talk about the philosophy yeah totally um I was just reading a piece that Bob Campbell wrote about um, Andrew Headley and framing him this morning, and I thought that that was really good about how he started and what his philosophies were. And I think it's the same. Like,
0: Andrew's a dude, by the way. He's a oh, really. Cool I haven't dude. actually. Oh, you've never. Him. Oh, okay. You, yeah. yeah, you should, because because um, he's he's really fun.
1: Yeah. No, I definitely want to. But he talked about like. All these little parcels and like trialing different things to see what would work with them, and that's essentially what I've been doing. Every vintage we do. Oh, Chardonnay, there's about like a 20. a little bit more? Yep. yep. There's about 20 different batches, that, and everything's had something different, but that's across about 60 barrels. And when we actually do our blending, it's per barrel, not per batch. Yep. So it's highly intensive, but for me, it makes better quality wine. Uh, and it's the same with the Syrah. There's 12 different batches and we're doing different bits so we've broken up the vineyard and going forward we're going to be picking in those same little plots each year so we can really build and understand what that little bit of the vineyard is doing each time as well. So it's things like that and then understanding oak and matching the oak to that and yeah.
0: And you're like, after this you're going to go off and taste some oak?
1: Yes. So yep. th- I'm
0: assuming that's wines aged in different Yeah, bar- so types it's
1: a Burgundy tasting <laughs> yep. um, based on the brand Hermitage yep. barrels, so that's going to be interesting. I haven't had their barrels before. Okay. I'm obviously quite wedded to uh, Mercury after winning the Young Winemaker of the Year, so, so Yeah. So tied it, me in.
0: So that's like, that's like an awesome segue.
1: Um... In
0: the, in the short time, or short-ish time, Ashridge and you have been here, um, you guys have done some pretty cool things. So I can't remember what, what year it was, but you won an award at the Hawkes Bay Wine Awards?
1: Yeah, so that was in 2014 yep. for the 2013 Estate Merlot.
0: And um, and then you also won New Zealand Young Winemaker of the Year? Yeah, and so so that like I look at that competition, and you see some photos and things like that. What does that what does that actually involve?
1: Um, so at the, there's regional, yep. So uh, these days there's a North Island and a South Island competition, and you have to. There's pretty much wine blending, lab analysis, fault finding, general knowledge. You just have to and. Uh, wine options as well and a lot of emphasis based on speaking so um, there's also a speech and also you have to do a marketing pitch about your wine blend that you've done as well so that's pretty much it regionals and then nationals it's a massive step up and it gets a lot more into logistics and labelling rigs for different countries and capex proposals
0: so it's basically like every element of being a a winemaker winemaker for a a a bigish or a a, a wine business
1: yeah Yeah, definitely and so for me like I always am shocked that I did win it but because I'm not in that big... I'd never written a CapEx proposal or anything like that when I did it. And, like, yes, I learnt the labelling regs and stuff like that. But being the first, I had no idea what was actually going to even be tested. And all I could do was go on my knowledge and what I do every day here and apply those things. Yeah. yeah. So.
0: Cool. And that was 2015? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and so... Obviously, with Asher's range, you've now got, you said, 20 different wines, which is getting getting up there. Um, You're also doing some much more experimental stuff now. Are you allowed to talk about that?
1: Yes, I think I can. Um, The wines are going to get bottled sooner rather than later and then going to be for sale. So I think there's always worth having a plug. Um, So we've decided to... Well, I decided that we need to have a range that is much more of a creative outlet. So every year I do lots of tiny little experimental things and they've always just been back-blended into the big blends. And I just thought...
0: But there's always been some slightly more, like, left of centre wines. I'm thinking, like, um, the Ruby, which is a sort of bright, fresh, um, sort of Ruby port style, but made with Syrah, and it's so, like, evocative of Syrah. Or the Cabernet Franc, and things like that, that, that that do... That are less, like, less traditional
1: Definitely, and that's what, like, that premium tier has been about Is been like, if we've done something experimental And I've somehow got it over the line with Chris That we should sell them Um, But mostly that sort of stuff's just been through the cellar door But, so... There may not be as much of that Like the Cabernet Franc is going to be dropped But the dessert wines will stay um, So drop
0: from the main
1: range? Yeah, yeah. so it's not going to be under that premium tier Because we're actually making a Cabernet Sauvignon under that tier And we just didn't want to blur the lines With too many Cabernets in yeah. the same range So this new range is going to be called Alti so How do you spell that? A-L-T-I Yeah. And where does um, that come from? So it's really interesting. My partner's sister, she's a not really a hipster. She's a, like a country girl hipster, and she used to. That's th- like what all hipsters want to be. <laughs> they
0: like, like they they pretend they want to live in the country, and, and they really don't. It's not as glamorous as they run. No,
1: there. the um, coffee's not so good. No, definitely not. She comes to Hawkes Bay, and she's like, everything's amazing. I can't believe it. Where's she, she from? From Waimea.
0: Oh fuck, man! I've been to White
1: <laughs> That's It's not well there. No. So anyway, so she used to always be like, "Oh my god, that's so oldie," and I was like, "What are you talking about?" And she's like, "Oh, it's like the new word for alternative," and I was like, "Okay, maybe I'm getting old, and I don't know these things. I'm not sure, but
0: maybe, maybe White has its own little, um, little, little, thing. little language. <laughs> yeah,
1: potentially." <laughs> Um, And then we actually did some research into the word, and it actually means altitude in Italian as well. And not that we have any Italian ties, but we also make our doppio, which is Italian for double. Um, So
0: just explain what doppio is, because the wines are fucking awesome.
1: So the doppio is... um, two-pack and it's the individual clones of Syrah that we grow on our vineyard here um, and we make one barrel of each clone per year hand bottle unfined unfiltered um, yeah they're very they're really cool and why the name came about was because they're like twins everything's done exactly the same just very much the clonal differences so
0: okay, so back right to Ulti. Ulti.
1: Yeah. So in this range this year, it's going to be like we're going to make different wines each year in that range. Um, this year we are making a sparkling rosé, and it's a blend of Merlot and skin fermented Pinot Gris. Um, so it's very. So
0: so making rosé. Is there a particular reason you're using white varieties as well as red?
1: So. It was never actually the plan It okay. was during harvest And I was doing this skin fermented pinot gris And I And it still had some residual sugar. And I was like, this is incredible. Like, the intensity of flavours and aromatics and, like, the colour was beautiful. And I was just like, I want to do something with this. And I talked to Chris and he goes, right, if we're going to do this, like, that volume's not big enough. We obviously had already picked the fruit. And so I was like, well, what if I used some of the rosé? Which is Merlot, and did some blends. So I did some bench trials, found a balance that I really liked, um, and then based it on a volume that we can deal with in the winery because we're going to be hand bottling that here. So,
0: yeah. And so it's Merlot Pinot Gris. Um How have you got the the fizz in it? Is it going to be. Um...
1: It's just going to be carbonated. Uh, we did go down the Pet Nat route, but uh, for us at the moment, we don't have the consumers. That would be okay with
0: a cloudy, funky yep. wine. Yep.
1: So we've just gone right. Let's finish it properly and then just carbonate it for now. And I, I, I mean, I, I think a
0: lot of people like shit on, shit on carbonated bubbles, but actually, especially when you're looking at sort of better value wines, um, really good carbonated sparkling wine yeah. is like so easy, so delicious, like really unserious. Yeah, and unlike a method, and then especially unlike a pet net, you can actually control the 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 fizz like really, really specifically. So you can get you can exact, dial
1: it right in exactly
0: the feel that you yeah. want. And um, I mean, like like um, Alpha Domus, who are sort of like just over yeah, uh, much. on the other side of.
1: The triangle. The triangle.
0: Um, I mean, they make a great sparkling rosé, mm. and it's just like it's unapologetic. It is what it is, but it's also like good value and super tasty.
1: Yeah, so that's kind of what we're going for, and we could like most of that will be sold through the salad Or People just coming in, smashing bottle after bottle in the sun, yep. and essentially that's what we're going for with that one. Yep. Um, we're also making a chardonnay. Um, and the Chardonnay that I've done is there's two individual barrels that are going to get blended. One we soaked, we crushed the fruit and soaked it on skins for three days before we pressed off um, and' so almost fermented.
0: like making a rose. With Chardonnay uh, uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. So like pretty much There's a little bit of phenolics But it's much more like fruit intensity To the wine um, Everything about it was natural uh, And just let it go sort of thing so Oh that's a, that's a
0: word <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well it hadn't.
0: There was no added yeah, anything. Yeah. No. I understand. No. 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 <laughs> we are. We are seriously not going to get into the. I was going to say. Can we're, we not go into? We're not it? getting into that conversation. Um. It's. It's one for. For another day.
1: Yeah. Um, well, we've talked about it multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And
0: um. And I then. Still
1: don't
0: know. No. I mean, I like. I, we sell. Obviously, we sell a lot of natural wine, and um. Sometimes I don't even know what what it means half the time, and. Different people use the term differently. Like, we've tried to be really specific about what we mean when we use that word. But um, and so that that's so that our customers and people who come and find us know exactly what we mean when we say it. But yeah. even then, it's, it's really really hard. But yeah, we'll go. And there's a third one in that range.
1: Yes. Um, oh, so the other Chardonnay barrel with that is actually a full skin fermented Chardonnay, um, and they'll be blended together.
0: Yeah. See, so this is like this is what I'm seeing a lot more of with with say especially. Dare I say more traditional wine producers like Ashridge, because you have like a pretty traditional yeah. um, front to the world where um, using techniques like skin fermentation, but like instead of making a quote unquote orange or skin fermented wine, you're using some skin ferment to make a more traditional white wine much more interesting and and delicious and textural and all of those things Yeah,
1: so we've used it now for a couple of years doing the skin fermented Chardonnay but this time it's going to be way more the focus and yeah, so again it's going to be 50 cases it's the two barrels, it's tiny quantities um, but it's a bit of fun and to get people out of their comfort zones to try something different. Um, the third one in that range is Cabernet Franc, um, and it is a 100% whole bunch cab franc. So, uh, which is when you think about that, you think the tannin's going to be outrageous and over the top. But if anything, it's much more like a Gamay Noir, so much more lighter in style. So, sort of almost
0: like what, I mean, actually, and there are, like, there are producers in the Loire who, who grow both Gamay and, and Franc. Yeah. But sort of what's happening kind of with the, the new wave of the Loire where you're making like lighter, fresher, herbal. Um, I'm assuming yours won't be quite as dirty as some of those.
1: No, not so dirty. <laughs> um, I just had a the Lincoln um, enology and vit students here for a visit on yep. Tuesday. There were forty five of them, and I was like, I'm going to show them things out of the box. So I showed them the Chardonnays, the two barrels, and then I showed them this Cab Franc because I was like, I bet you haven't tried anything like this. Like just knowing what it was like when you were at uni and what really what you would see. Um, and everyone, their minds were blown. They couldn't believe that it was, and, like, that's unsulfured still in the winery. Um, and just how we treated it and stuff, it's just extremely aromatic um, and just yum. That's all I can say. It's just delicious. It's juicy.
0: So do you pick that, like, full ripe, or do you pick that a little bit underripe to retain some of those, like, um, leafy herbal Because obviously Cabernet Franc's like this chameleon of a variety. Here in Hawke's Bay you can make actually quite, in good vintages, quite big, structured, dark, um, extracted wines. But then you can also go out to places like Canterbury and make Or the Loire and make really leafy, herbal, like aromatic, more Pinot-y kind of wines.
1: Yeah, so I think this is probably in between. We're kind of in between with all of our wines, like nothing. It'll be a 12% alcohol. Nothing's outrageous that we do here and everything seems to hold its acidity and it's what I prefer. And it's what our vineyards also give us. Um, we actually figured out why maybe on our block we actually have lower alcohols and lower sugars essentially and this used to be a peach orchard back in the day and the copper the elemental copper in the soil is through the roof and someone asked us not that long ago like oh do you think that you're having issues with ripening so we always pick on flavour and then I was like you know what it could be why we're not hitting some huge highs in sugars but i'm okay with it i like the freshness um more elegant styles anyway so
0: okay and um sort of to wind up we're going to bring it through to your wines so you've got a wine a wine coming under your own name which is swift wines yeah um tell us about
1: um so this is kind of a mashup of Things that I've learnt overseas in my vintages and what I really liked, so like life changing moments kind of all mashed in together through the wine. So um, it is a Syrah, um, and the fruit is from the Ashridge Vineyard, so in Bridge Par. Um, and I've just done a field blend of the two clones at a percentage that I really like. Um, So the shove and the mass selection. And then everything's gone in. I've knocked the heads out of my barrels and done a 100% whole bunch in the barrels. So uh, you get this. How do
0: you stop wine? Like, this is what I've always wondered about when people knock. What do you do to stop the wine coming out the bunghole?
1: You put a bung in it.
0: Do you, like, tie the bung to the barrel?
1: No. So oh, you put it in the other way. I put it in on the Oh, yeah, side. that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So That's I'm not, like, this is, I'm not a very practical <laughs> person. So I was like, what about the bunghole? I just also wanted to say bunghole on, on the podcast. I bet. I've got three in. So let's carry on.
1: Um... Yeah, and we just put them on pallets, so two barrels on a pallet sort of thing, and I would just move them outside into the sun to warm up during the day. Um, And everything was hand-plunged the whole time. Um, And then it it was just done by taste before it was pressed off. Um, And it's had nearly two years in barrel.
0: So that will be from the 2016 vintage? Yeah,
1: Yeah. so nearly two years in barrel. And again, it's not fined, not filtered, um, bottled at Unis. And I lost, I think, nine liters in total during bottling. So oh, that's not much at all. No. No. So in terms of yeah, how much was bottled? Um, it was actually eight hundred and eighty-eight bottles, which I think is a great number. Send
0: it to China.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm really excited at. Yep. Uh, so just waiting on labels to be printed.
0: Cool. Um, yeah, and then, and then it will then... be out in the world. Yes, and,
1: and available. And, and, av- ho- and available on. Wine, wine. Wine yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. A
0: lot of oh no, no, we have. I mean, I've tasted the wine and it's 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 seriously awesome. So yeah, definitely we'll be we'll be we'll be there. I mean, we wouldn't be talking kind of like if we didn't <laughs> also like love the wines. Um, okay, so like. Thank you so much for talking to me this morning. You're going to go off and taste oak barrels, yeah. um, which is going to be interesting, and then we're going to catch up later and, 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 and taste some wine um, in some the some evening. Drinking. Do some drinking, do some yeah. tasting. Um, I'm <laughs> going to do some do some selling. Um, so this has been the the cult cast. That's cult cast with a C, not a K. Um, I don't know. why I needed to say that, but I did. So. Um, it's the, the podcast of cultwine.co.nz and we talk to um, wine growers, wine makers, wine slingers and wine drinkers. Uh, go to cultwine.co.nz and use the code code COLTCAST for ten percent off your next order. Thank you.